Hi, my name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. With each podcast, I'm going to talk to you about new discoveries in cutting-edge science, how these discoveries radically change our view of the world and ourselves, and how to apply these new ideas to your life. Today, I'd like to talk to you about something so fundamental that it's going to change the way you view everything in the world, including yourself. And then I'll be showing you how to test this new view of reality with some fun exercises. My installment for today has to do with the idea, which we're told through conventional science, that you and I are solid, stable, and most of all, separate things. All modern thoughts about our physical universe rest on the belief that life is composed of things, which in turn are made up of littler things, and that we can understand the big things by identifying the little things. However, certain unassailable information completely undermines that view, something that even conventional scientists have known about for a century something that they've discounted and even subtracted away to make their view of reality fit. I'm talking about the field, formerly known as the zero-point field, a subatomic field of unimaginably large quantum energy in so-called empty space. A field is actually a matrix or medium which connects two or more points in space, usually via a force, let's say like gravity or electromagnetism. It's considered that area of space where this change and its effects can be detected. So simply put, a field is a region of influence. In the quantum world, quantum fields are not mediated by forces, but by exchanges of energy, which are constantly redistributed in a dynamic pattern. This constant exchange is an intrinsic property of particles. In high school physics classes, you probably remember being told that subatomic particles, the things that make up atoms, are like little billiard balls circling a nucleus, like planets circling the sun. But these particles are not set little things. They're nothing more than a little knot of energy which briefly emerges and disappears back into the underlying field. A constant tennis game of energy occurs at the subatomic level. These pulsating knots of energy constantly interact with each other by exchanging energy through other quantum particles. That exchange creates virtual particles, which appear out of nowhere, combining and disappearing in less than an instant. They differ from real particles because they only exist during that exchange. Now, just one individual exchange isn't really much. Maybe a half a watt's worth of energy. But if you add up all the energy exchange of all the particles of all varieties in the universe, you come up with a vast, inexhaustible energy source sitting there unobtrusively in the background of the empty space around us. To give you some idea of the magnitude of that power, the energy in a single cubic yard of empty space 
is enough to boil all the oceans of the world. So if you were sitting across from me, that just that yard of empty space would be enough to boil all the oceans of the world. In fact, a small chunk of the zero-point field has more energy density than a nuclear bomb. The zero-point field is called zero because this tango even occurs at temperatures of absolute zero, which is the lowest possible energy state where all matter has been removed and nothing supposedly is left to make any motion. That's the closest that subatomic motion ever gets to zero. But it never does stop moving. Scientists know all about this, but most physicists subtract zero-point energy away because they believe, as it is ever-present, it doesn't affect anything. They also do that to make their mathematical equations work because accounting for the zero-point field messes these equations up. As I've said on numerous occasions, subtracting out the zero-point field, which is so fundamental to our universe, is a little like subtracting out God. In the last 50 years, a few frontier scientists, like Texas astrophysicist Hal Putoff, have rediscovered the importance of the zero-point field as a final puzzle piece to answer many of the large questions in science. Things like gravity that have perplexed scientists for many years. The late Arthur C. Clarke believed the discoveries made by Hal and his colleagues about the zero-point field energy were so significant that he called their papers landmarks. But as Hal also realized, the zero-point field also shows us that reality is very different from what we've been told and that we are central to the process of creating our world. The first big idea about this is just this. One of the most important aspects of subatomic waves is that they're encoders and carriers of information. When two waves are in phase, which means the highs and lows of the waves are in sync, and they bump into each other, which is technically called interference, the combined amplitude of the waves is greater than each individual amplitude. That means that combined signal gets stronger. This also amounts to an imprinting or exchange of information. That's called constructive interference. And it means once they've collided, each wave contains information in the form of energy coding about the other. And this includes all the other information that other wave contains. These interference patterns amount to a constant accumulation of information, and waves have a virtually infinite capacity for storage. Believe it or not, each wave can encode 28 quintillion bits of information. That is 28 followed by 18 zeros. That's a lot of information. So the idea of the zero-point field has a giant metaphysical implication. It's as though a memory of the universe for all time is contained in empty space that each of us is always in touch with.
It also implies that all matter in the universe is interconnected by waves, which are spread out through time and space and can carry on to infinity, tying one part of the universe to every other part. It means that we and all matter of the universe are literally connected to the furthest reaches of the cosmos through the largest zero-point field waves of the grandest dimensions. In this view, the field connects everything in the universe to everything else, like some vast invisible web. So the idea of the field might just offer a scientific explanation for many metaphysical notions, like the Chinese belief in the life force, or qi, described in ancient texts as something akin to an energy field. Many scientists from top-ranking institutions like Princeton and Stanford University in the U.S. have realized that the zero-point field could hold the key to answering questions and areas that have bedeviled scientists for centuries. Things like how gravity works. And all matter depends on a connection with this most fundamental of energy fields to achieve a sense of solid and stable substance. Organizations like NASA and British Aerospace are attempting to engineer the zero-point field and believe it's possible even to change the mass of things. Hal Putoff and his colleagues have shown that this constant to-and-fro exchange of all subatomic matter with the zero-point field accounts for the stability of the hydrogen atom, which implies it accounts for the stability of all other matter. And furthermore, because of this endless tennis game with this quantum field, these little packets of energy don't remain the same at any moment. So what that means is, although you appear the same from moment to moment, you're actually an entirely new batch of subatomic energy with every breath you take. And so is everything else in the universe. So here's where it starts to get interesting. Amazing fact number one. It means that everything in your world, from the chair you may be sitting on, to the phone you have, or the book you're reading, to you yourself and everything around you, all of this are not solid and stable things. In fact, there are no such thing as things. Nothing finally exists independently. While we consider matter discrete and definable, the fact is it cannot be compartmentalized into anything definitive. Even the smallest structure of matter may prove impossible to separate from its neighbors, place a fence around, and say with any finality that here's where it begins and there's where it ends. You are not a thing at all. You and everything around you are simply a collection of charged energy having a relationship. Amazing fact number two. The closer scientists look, the more they discover how dependent on and finally indivisible from everything is with everything else. When particle physicists get down to the bottom layer of matter, there really isn't anything there. Rather than those well-behaved billiard bowls with orderly little orbits around a central nucleus, 
subatomic particles more closely resemble a tiny little coalescence of energy, a smeared out, uncongealed puff of vibratory nothingness. It's like They're just a little coalescence of energy within a larger field of energy, kind of like a knot existing on a length of a rope. Amazing fact number three. These little pulsating energy packets aren't an actual anything yet. I like to say they're like unset jello, and even more weirdly, they can be affected by you. The founders of quantum theory first discovered in the early part of the 20th century that subatomic particles and even atoms are a messy little cloud of probability. They exist in many places simultaneously in a state of pure potential, or as physicists refer to it, superposition, which means the sum of all probabilities. One of the conclusions of their theory, and still accepted, is the idea of indeterminacy, which means that you can never fully know everything about a subatomic particle. If you measure where it is, for instance, you cannot also work out where it's going or at what speed. Even weirder, a quantum particle can exist as both a particle, a congealed bullet-like thing, and a wave, a big smeared out region of space and time. So consider it like this. A quantum particle exists as a collection of all future selves all at the same time like an endless chain of paper dolls. So what turns this possibility into something real? Amazing fact number four. You, as observer, cause that which is observed to come into being and at any point in time. What turns this all-possible self's subatomic particle into a set and single state is our involvement as an observer. When scientists pin the subatomic particle down and take a measurement, its multiple selves collapse and it settles down into a single state of being. A huge number of studies have shown that the paths that certain electrons take in experiments are entirely determined by the involvement of an observer. As soon as the scientists take a closer look at that subatomic particle by taking a measurement, the subatomic entity that existed as pure potential would collapse into one particular state. The fact that a subatomic particle only settles down to a single set state when measured or observed suggests a staggering possibility. The role of the scientist himself, or in real life, the role of living consciousness, the consciousness of all of us, somehow is the influence that turns the smallest elements of life into something real. This implies that the universe is a joint venture between the observing consciousness and the observed. It requires the observer to bring that which is observed into being. The most irreducible relationship of all may be matter and the consciousness that observes it. With every breath we take, we are co-creating our world. 
Some noted physicists have even shown through their experiments that the timing of this observation doesn't matter. We can affect the building blocks of matter at any point in time. Observation, even after the fact, determines the final outcome. Amazing fact number five. You have extraordinary power as a creator at any point in time to affect things in your life. Amazing fact number six. You can be in touch with the furthest reaches of the cosmos. Another strange feature of quantum physics is non-locality, also referred to as entanglement, which brings to mind a pair of star-crossed lovers who may be forced to separate but remain mentally and emotionally intertwined forever. Quantum physicists have demonstrated that once subatomic particles such as electrons or photons are in contact, they remain aware of and forever influenced by each other instantaneously and for no apparent reason over any time or any distance. When particles are entangled, the actions of one will always influence the other in the same or opposite direction, no matter how far they're separated. Once they've connected, the measurement of one subatomic particle instantaneously affects the position of the second one. The two subatomic parties continue to talk to each other, and whatever happens to one is identical to or the opposite of what happens to the other. It's a bit like twin boys separated at birth. Although they'll never meet again, it turns out that they end up loving the same color, blue, they marry a woman with the same name, Matilda, and if one breaks his leg while skiing in Austria, the other one breaks his leg at the same time, even though he's just been sitting in a Manhattan Starbucks having a latte. So let's try an exercise to demonstrate our connection with the rest of the universe through this field. Here's what you need to do. Phone up a friend you haven't spoken to lately, or even an acquaintance you don't know very well. Then, think of an object you really love, and ideally one with a distinctive shape. Make sure it's an object, not a concept, or a pet, or a person. So no love and peace, or your pet doggy, or your husband or wife. Now, imagine sending that object mentally to your friend over the phone. Imagine the object with all of your five senses. See it, hear it, feel it, taste it, smell it. The friend should then clear her mind to receive and write down the first thing that comes into her mind. And remember, you're not going to tell her what this object is ahead of time. She can draw what she thinks the object's shape is. And after she's written down the first thing that comes into her mind, she should then fill in the detail. Afterward, ask her what she received first, and then, only after she's finished, tell her what you sent. If she describes something that is the right shape or related to the object, it's a hit. Let's say you sent banana, 
and she drew crescent moon or wrote down crescent moon, that would be a hit. Let's say you sent out an object dog, not your dog, but just dog. And she wrote down cat or she wrote down bone. That would also be a hit. Practice this on many occasions with different people and see how good you are at sending this information like this intuitively. And also trade places so that you can be the receiver and see how well you can pick up the information. If you can, you've just demonstrated the power of non-locality and the field. Another exercise is to send intention through another friend. You can be the one who creates this experiment, or you can be the one who does the intention, or you can trade places back and forth. So one friend should plant two sets of flower seeds in, in soil packed into two small flower pots. Have her or you label them A and B and take a photo of both flower pots. Then she should send both pictures to you. You should choose one, one pot, either A or B, to send your intention to, but don't tell her which one you're sending it to. Choose a specific intention. For instance, to have the seeds grow by um, 10 centimeters by the second week of growing, something like that. Um, whatever seems feasible. So send intention to the pot you've chosen. Let's say it's pot A. Uh, send your specific intention. Don't tell your friend which pot you've sent intention to. Have her then wait and measure at the end of the second week, measure the seedlings to see which ones are higher. Only after she's finished should you tell her which in which pot you sent intention to and see if the one you sent intention to grew higher or had more seedlings that sprouted. After a while, you'll get very adept at this and you'll see that the seeds you send intention to grow higher than controls. Trade places and you be the one who makes the flower pots and creates the uh, experiment and then have your friend do the intending and see what happens. So my message to you today is that you have enormous power to influence your life and the world around you. I hope these experiments with practice will show you how powerful you actually are and how you are accessing information and making use of the zero point field at every moment. Now, if you try these experiments, you may want to come onto my social media pages where I have videos of how to do the experiments. And if you do, get involved and give us feedback about what's happened. Post them on our Facebook pages and elsewhere. And also, if you like this podcast, don't forget to write a review and tell us how you like living the new science. So this is Lynn McTaggart signing off today, helping you to live the new science. Keep listening, and I'll continue to give you information and tips each time about how to incorporate this new information into your life.